Hello, bonjour, ni hao. This is John James and welcome to another episode of Champagne Strategy, where it's my job to deconstruct world-class strategy, growth, marketing, and the latest tech with just a sprinkling of champagne. This is a show where we talk to the modest achievers and the less famous but more interesting people of the business world, many of whom keep a very low profile and some of which are even from the underground. One thing is for sure though, all of my guests are people who are senior achievers but still aren't afraid to occasionally get back onto the tools, into the weeds and get their hands dirty. They will often have battle scars to show skin in the game and money in play. Today we're interviewing Tim Beanland. Tim started interviewing guests as a way to further his career at the age of 18. Quickly realizing that recording these fleeting moments was valuable, he started to dip his toes into podcasting. Fast forward eight years later and a podcast media company was born and he's now interviewed guests such as Australia's largest franchise founder, medal winning Olympians and many famous authors, not to mention me. This is one of our expert guide episodes where we delve into one marketing channel and provide you with a comprehensive guide. By tapping into Tim's first-hand knowledge, we provide you with many juicy details which you can take away and either start or manage a successful podcast. We cover all the basics from picking a theme to finding your niche to getting famous guests, preparation, equipment, software, music distribution, and promotion. We talk about both general approaches and specific tactics in each of these areas, even the names of different tools and hardware that you can use. While this episode is first and foremost a guide, we also touch on Tim's story and he graciously opens up about a topic close to his heart near the end. If you've ever wondered how the world of podcasting works, this is an unmissable episode. Thanks for being on the show, Tim. Um, So Tim is a podcast uh, expert and we've got him on the show today to go over um, what it takes to create a podcast, uh, promote it and make it successful. So uh, welcome to the show, Tim. Yeah, thanks for having me on, uh, mate. It's, it's very good to, good to be here after, after a while of, yeah, chatting about it. Nice. And so um, just first question, how, how long have you been doing this uh, kind of podcasting? Yeah, well, interestingly enough, I actually started doing interview formats when I was 18. Um, someone told me that it would be a smart idea. I'm 26 now. Um, so I'm telling you a smart idea to contact people on LinkedIn when I was a university student and go and um, meet up with professionals that I liked, you know, chief marketing operators, um, all of that kind of stuff. And I did about 50 interviews just with a notepad and pen. Um, and then fast forward to about 2016 or 2018, sorry, you can then buy recording equipment. Um, and I purchased a Zoom H5 recorder and just set up these similar interviews, but I said, hey, I'm going to record it because I was walking away from those conversations that weren't recorded going, they needed to be recorded. So um, that was really what started it was this kind of curiosity, uh, but then also, hey, you know, why don't I record it and turn it into a podcast? And um, yeah, that's that's where it started. So I guess started when I was 18 in a really kind of analog format and then 2018, uh, two years ago, I really turned it into a podcast. Wow. Okay. So for the last couple of years, you've been monetizing this podcast, I'm guessing, like this is your job or so it's less of a hobby now? 
Less of a hobby now. So at the back end of last year, um, a lot of the people that I was interviewing found that they said stuff during the interview that they'd never been able to get on camera before. Um, And just by nature of the podcast style, you get authentic content. It's no longer the selfie video that we all plagued on LinkedIn with. Um, You get content that's a little bit more authentic and engaging. So I decided to turn my interviews into a media production, podcast production company. Um, and basically what I do now is I take people from concept of their podcast all the way through to what they need to do to set up the show and then actually get some really valuable um, material from just that 40-minute episode. So, yeah, it's, it's, to answer your question, it's turned into very much a business. Very um, nice. It's formed out, of, formed, formed out of a passion. So. I like it. Yeah. So um, I suppose that, you know, that sort of comes to the purpose behind why people start podcasts in the first place. And, um, you know, as, as someone who's done a lot of these interviews in the past and probably coached other people, I'm guessing, with starting their podcasts, um, what do you find are the main reasons why people started? Is it, is it like a narcissistic thing? Like they just want to be a self-promoter or, or um, <laughs> you know, are they just jumping on a bandwagon right now where we're in sort of virus lockdown? What else is that to do, right? Or is it mm. curiosity like for you or is it, is it a mix of things? It's really funny, right? I think there's an element of the bandwagon um, portraying itself you know everybody's starting a podcast today 2020 is a podcast is the answer to what 2012's blog was you know oh no is that Um, me right now (laughs) (laughs) well no because you're actually doing it strategically right um and we've we've had you've you're you're measured you're you know you do all this stuff the background in in, you know into it all and what i'm seeing that's quite dangerous is people starting a podcast because they think that's the new tactic they think that's the new thing. They think that's they need to be doing that as part of, you know, the ever-ending machine of content generation. But the successful podcasts are people that are doing it not because it's a tactic. They're doing it because it's something that a medium they're actually natural in presenting with. Um, and I think that the the idea of starting a podcast, for me at least, what I'm seeing a lot of people doing it is because it builds them as an authority, gives them an ability to... Uh, talk about topics at length, in depth, and and in a way that is quite engaging and quite um, you know interesting to watch. Like, so, so I, I know when I'm that yeah. raises a good point. Like, um, is this for everyone, or is there people you wouldn't recommend to start a podcast? For example, if people can't talk well or aren't good conversationalists, or what do you think is just a learned skill that you can get better at? Um, are, there, are there people you would not recommend that you've met to ever start a podcast? For example. If you're not interested in other people, if you're not interested in other people's stories, if you can't um, ask high quality questions, because that's where the, the gold is, you know, maybe a podcast isn't, isn't for you. Um, that being said, there's still very successful shows where it's just the solo person. Um, my sort of red flag, I guess, would be if you're a person that isn't consistent, as in you can't put something out on a monthly schedule, weekly schedule, and or fortnightly schedule or, you know, my schedule at the moment is two a week, um, then it isn't something for you to do because it's not a tactic that's going to get you immediate return on investment. It's a long tail tactic that's going to produce you a large amount of content over a, over a long period of time. So um, the podcast is for someone who can be consistent. It's for someone who's interested in other people. It's also for someone who wants to build a brand, um, but it isn't for somebody who, yeah, if you, if you don't feel comfortable um, 
you know, if it's not your medium, like I, I don't write blogs. Um, I'm not a blog writer and I don't do that because that's not my medium. Um, my medium is... On the other side of yeah. that is there's some people who uh, perhaps, you know, have, have a face for radio, they say. So they're really good talking, but maybe not so good <laughs> on video. And this came across yeah. with me in sales. Like uh, some people are really good with the face-to-face closing of a sale, right? And other people mm. better on the phone. Um, so I'm assuming podcasting can be the same way. But um, with that said, you know, say you're not good at interviewing people, maybe best not to start a podcast, but would those people be good as like an interviewee on someone else's podcast, for example? Like, do you need to yeah. start yours or can you just leverage other people's? I, I think um, because I'll, I'll be a little bit contradictory. I think everybody can start a podcast. I think if, you, if you've got an interesting business or an interesting story, you can start. But if you, if you feel like it might be something that's a little bit nervous for you to do yourself as the host... It's a great idea to get on someone else's show as a guest and just see how that format plays out. So maybe dip your toes in in the water or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Dip your toes in the water and be a guest. And, you know, me is less so now because I've actually got, I've got podcasts sitting in the bank that I need to release. Um, You know, I'm not really taking on any new interviews at the moment, but there's a lot of people that are starting their podcasts that are more than happy to take on new interviews and, um, and, and do all of that. So it's, it's a really good space because there's such a volume of shows to get on some podcasts yourself. Okay, great. Um, so I suppose yeah. the next question is like, what about topics? Um, all of yep. us have lots of interest, right? I, I know I do. There's some things I'd be more comfortable talking about or interested in than others. Um, do you sort of have any theme or recommendations you give to people like do you start within a small niche but then your box hold or do you go wide and sort of talk about lots of things like joe rogan or should you start Mm. out small and then get wide um how do you sort of figure out what to talk about in the first place yeah and you're probably not going to like this answer um it, it completely depends um it completely depends on um the person so a niched podcast is a fantastic idea because people will search for niche things. They'll be like, I want to search for the basketball podcast. Who's the best basketball show? So you start a basketball show because you're passionate about basketball. Why not? Um, a more generalist show, like I would sort of define my show as a more generalist show and the name Peak Performers. So being talking with Peak Performers was named in such a way that I was walking away from conversations with people that are in the peak of their field. And I wanted these conversations out there. But that means my first 10, 15 shows were all business owners because that was my circle of influence. Like, you know, I'm a marketing student, so I went to talk to chief marketing officers. I went to talk to business owners. Like, marketing was what I was doing. But because I named mine a little bit broadly, I've now had authors on the show. I've had um, Paralympians on the show. Um, So I didn't restrict it. I I went a little bit more, but, but I still niched it into the word peak performance. So I wanted to tap into the peak performance mindset. So So that's, that's the theme that sort of ties in everything together, I'm guessing, right? Like, um, it's not about one topic, but okay. I I get what you mean. So I suppose like, um, I found out some other podcasts as well started somewhere and then, you know, to use the buzzword pivot, they sort of did a bit of experimentation and then went, Oh wow, I'm onto something here with one episode and go, Oh, everyone got good feedback. And they went, Hey, uh, let's double down on this. And like, maybe this is our calling, you know, did that happen to you as well? 
Yeah, and that's a that's a fantastic kind of um, borrowed strategy strategy from split testing and, and advertising is you figure out what works. Um, you know, my show was titled Un- um, "Been Talking with Undeniably the Best" for for a very long time, and that was a very long name and really didn't make any sense, and there wasn't any direction. But then I found that there was a consistent theme with every single conversation, and everyone that I was talking to, there was like, oh, these people are really top performers. So I went, I doubled down in on the, on the consistent theme that was going on. Another example, I've got a friend of mine, I'll give his podcast a shout out, um, called Authentic Conversations. Now, he started out generally and he was like, ah, I don't really know what niche I want to do. But after he did about three episodes, he found that every episode had this lean towards mental health, had this lean towards um, stories of people, you know, managing depression, managing bipolar. And then he also had a... a um, his parent um, dealt with bipolar as well. So he, he was able to come at that, those conversations from the perspective of being a child that was also affected with someone with mental health. And th- so therefore the underlying theme that will underpin his whole podcast came out of the first three episodes. So I like it. If you're getting, yeah, I guess the, the thing to wrap that up there is if you're getting stuck on a niche, it's more about starting and seeing where the conversations go and then you'll see which ones perform and then that's how you can pick a niche and go from there. So my biggest thing is, is people not starting and just having it as an, as an idea that sits on the shelf. Sure. I, I like that. And I suppose, um, I mean, the next, the next problem is once you've decided on a topic and uh, you've got a basic idea of what you want to talk about um, is, is finding people to talk to. Uh, so interviewees. And, um, you know, like uh, I've been working on my own personal network. So perhaps myself and you yeah. got a couple of years of work under our belt. We know a couple of people in some very diverse areas. And um, I found, you know, running an agency, I've got lots of different kinds of very weird areas and suppliers that mm-hmm. I can sort of leverage. Um, you know, LinkedIn, I've got, you know, six and a half thousand followers on there. So, you know, it's quite easy to reach out and go, hey, you know, we've both been watching each other for a while. Why don't you talk about X, Y, Z? Um, but, uh, you know, not everyone's in that situation. Maybe you're starting out. Um, what do you recommend for, for guests and, um, you know, how to choose them, how to make sure you don't get a dud? Um, mm. Obviously, there's a bit of skill to that. What, what's your sort of strategy around that? Um, I guess you you will get a dud interview um, and it just happens. Someone might have an off day or whatever. So, so don't judge yourself if that happens. Um, in terms of guests, my formula was I started with very much like you did, started with my circle of influence. And then at the end of every episode, it's like, okay, who should I interview next? Who should I interview next? And then I found you ask that... You the interviewee like who yeah. you'd recommend. Okay, oh, great. Yeah. Especially, especially at the end of the show and they get the style of questions, they get how you run, they, you know, they understand, okay, well, your show's about this, so who do I know in that space that, 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 I, can, that I can recommend? Um, and, and that's what I would then do um, to get guests is start with your immediate circle, especially if it's a, a new podcast because sometimes if you were to go for like a bigger name celebrity and then they only see that there's two episodes out, I don't want to discourage anyone from, from reaching out because you definitely do need to do that. That's how I got Jim Penman on the show. So just, if for, you've got, just for everyone else, who is Jim Penman? Yeah, sorry. So Jim Penman um, is the founder of Jim's Group, Jim's Mowing, Jim's Cleaning, Jim's freaking everything. Um, Which are a big sort of uh, big, what, a trade sort of franchise big, or home services? Big franchise. Yeah, yeah big, okay. one of the biggest, biggest franchise groups in Australia. Okay. Um, so how so, did you get him then? I mean, did that just yeah. sort of come out of the blue or...? 
No, I, I was very strategic about that. Um, I engaged with their content for a very long period of time. And then um, after building up a relationship, in, I then sent an email to him and said, hey, you know, I'm based in Melbourne. Um, can we, can I, you know, what would be the process of me setting up an interview with you and, and how can we do that? And then there was a bit of back and forth with his management team and all that kind of stuff. But um, like they, they would have looked at my, they would have looked at my profile, right? They would have gone, okay, is this a serious podcast? Okay, yeah, I see he's consistently posting things. Cool. Um, yeah, reply and have him on. And he was very open to being interviewed, which was, which was fantastic. But I think what actually got me that interview was the fact that I had a podcast that was at least 30 episodes in. Um, and, then, and then it's like, okay, well, this is a serious thing. So that's why I say start with your network first. And then, and then branch out from there. Now, the counter argument to that would be, uh, if I just interview someone who I've done work with for a long period of time and not many other people know him, who will care? Um, I haven't really found that that's been much difference. If, if you title the episode correctly, if there's actually valuable content in there, um, my average listener base has been the same. I mean, yes, there's been more listens on Jim Penman's one, but... For the rest of them, it's it's fairly been fairly consistent. So it's more about the consistency of getting those shows under your belt, and then when you're at episode twenty, episode thirty, reaching out to someone um, that is a little bit bigger and going, "Hey, can you? What would be the process to getting you on my show?" And I think building a relationship with someone before asking them, it's kind of like basic sales as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's sort of take the long burn that's, approach. That's something I would recommend. Don't just cold email people. Like I cold emailed. Janine Ellis, and then the response I got back was, oh, look, she's busy with um, all of her shark tank things, which is fair enough. Um, and, and, but I didn't build up a relationship with her like I did with, with Jim. Yeah, so, okay. so I, I, made, I made a mistake there, I guess. So, so maybe you start, uh, I guess, start out small with some uh, people you're comfortable with, build a following, get consistent, and then sort of have that long-term vision, the sales process for the big fish to, to land will take a little bit of effort, right? Um, yeah. D- yeah. Definitely. Okay. Especially, uh, especially because there's so many podcasts out there as well. Like they'll, they'll be getting interview requests. Uh, I think right now is a, is a good time to actually re-ask those people. We had that conversation yesterday. I, um, you know, maybe I should like with all the speaking engagements drying up, like maybe now is a good time to, to get a bigger guest on. So yeah, um, exactly. Especially with, yeah. I mean, these people can't go to physical events anymore, can they? So they're all sitting at home at night, um, you know, doing work. So, I mean, that's my strategy. So I'm glad I got you in a, in a space of time. I know it took us a couple of times, but, um, yeah. no, it's good oh, don't worry, man. I, I, I would have, I would have made the time for you. Don't worry. Nice. I'm, thanks. I'm, hey, um, so I suppose coming <laughs> to that, we've got a guest, we've got a topic, um, you know, do you do some prep before the guest comes on board? I mean, I know I've, obviously we know each other um, and I've sort of looked into your past. We've had discussions and um, I did a bit of a prelim interview with you and just seeing what things we could Mm. talk about. And then, you know, I've written a bit of a run sheet that's, um, you know, I can talk off the cuff, but I do like a bit of structure for me to then have talking points that, you know, we can then go through. So um, that's what I'm doing right now. But I mean, would you suggest something similar for the first time or do you just find some people are natural, some people aren't? Again, I'll, I'll say the, the classic, it depends. Um, it, it depends on you and, and what you like doing. Um, you are clearly a process-driven person and you like to have a structure. Um, that works really well. But for me, I don't do any preparation at all. Um, 
I just found that I ask questions that elicit a response that gets people to create a, an amazing answer. And that's just a skill set that I've identified that I have. I'm not trying to, to sort of back up, but I've just found that if I try to prepare too much, and I've done, I've done shows um, where I'm actually producing a different show where I'm the interviewer on the show, um, but the, the guy that I'm producing the show for, he wants me to script out every single question. And, and we do that. But what happens is, and it's a very cool process for me to watch the different podcasts because when I'm doing a podcast where I've got every single question mapped out, I'm not actually in the interview. I'm focusing on, oh, what's the next question for me to ask? Versus if I just go in with a curious mindset, I'll do a little bit of research on who they are. I'm not, I'm not stupid. Like I'll, I'll look at what the content they put out. I'll go on their LinkedIn. What are they talking about? So I'll come in with questions that I know I'm interested about. But if I've over-prepared too much, it means that the conversation just sounds formulaic um, and I don't get a really genuine response. I'm not able to ask that question deeper. Um, so in terms of research, do a bit of, do, I do a bit of surface level stuff, but apart from that, that's my, my formula has been pretty much just go in with a curious mind and a conversation. Oh, um, okay. But it, it, look, it completely depends. If you know that if you're not structured and you don't have some topic points um, and you're going to get lost in the interview, then, you know, do a little bit more research. So it depends on, on, on the person and who you are. Personally, I've found that I just, I, don't do. And I know that was um, like probably two months before we did our podcast, you, you were like, all right, can we, can we do, can you send me some questions? And I was like, John, I don't do that. <laughs> um, and I was like, you know, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> who is this guy? Um, <laughs> but, but then, then I was like, look, it's okay. And what I've started to do now is, is that pre conversation? Because if someone like you wants those questions, like I, I tell people, I'm not 60 minutes here. I'm not trying to like, uncover some dirt on you. And I think that's why people like to have questions prepared, but I, I, I like to have that pre conversation and it was really good. That's what we actually ended up doing. Um, we had a pre conversation about, okay, what do you want to talk about? What would you like weaved into the conversation? But I didn't give you 20 questions to, to, to answer. Um, and I suppose it depends how familiar you are with the topic you talk about. Like, um, yeah, you know, when people interview me, I know lots about the topic. I can talk, and it's very natural. And if they do as well, it's it's really easy to talk about things. So, um, I mean, from my perspective, I didn't really know anything about podcasting, hence why it's a good, you know, episode to talk about. And um, you know, mm. it's useful for me and for perhaps some other people that may be thinking about starting. So, I suppose, and that comes down to you know, I'm sure the viewers can see we've both got mics in front of us, right? Uh, you've got yeah. headphones. I've got like a little earpiece in. Um, you know, if you're just starting out, um, say you don't have a lot of cash, um, you know, how to what kind of equipment should we be buying at a very base mm. level? Yeah, well, I'll I'll chuck my right hook in there and say I've got a PDF document of equipment to okay, so make this put, process simple. We can put that in the links, maybe. But tell <laughs> but, me what but just what, to, what do you yeah, have in front just of to you? give just to give you some value. Um, I I don't like people getting caught up on equipment. Um, as I as I said, I started my show with just this recorder. Um, this cost me about three hundred and forty dollars. Um, basically, it's a Zoom hate for people that aren't listening on a Zoom H five recorder. Um, this gave me the ability to start podcast because it has two microphones on the top. But then when I wanted to upgrade to, um, you know, the, the setup that I've got now, which is on, on camera, the pod mics and, and that, 
it gave me ability to plug in these XLR microphones, which is what this is. Um, now, that's when once you've got started, you can then invest in the gear. I only did this um, last year, well, this, the start of this year. Um, so equipment, equipment comes down to not overthinking it. Um, start out with a budget you feel comfortable with. A USB microphone, especially in the times that we live in, I think your microphone there only cost you about $89, but you're getting a fantastic sound quality. My setup, you asked what setup do I have. I've got a Rode, a podcast mic um, that's in a shock mount and I've got a, a boom arm as well to get the microphone as close to my mouth as possible. Now, even that's a bit overkill. Um, a really good start out um, you know, USB microphone, something like the Rode NT USB Mini, about 149 Australian dollars just plugs into your USB port and it gives you such a better audio quality um, than just your computer, right? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I've listened to some podcasts and the, the mic quality of the interview is very tinny and you, sort of, you lose that bass that, um, yeah. and that sort of um, softness of, of audio I've noticed. But I mean, apart from that, if the content's good, like you said, I mean, does it really matter? You know, my video on this is terrible. I'm going to have to touch that up later, right? Because I'm using an old laptop with a terrible webcam. But I mean, you know, if, if that, what you talk about is good, does it really matter? Yeah, if what you talk exactly, it's it's the quality of the content, not how produced it is. And um, you know, I, I I set a status. Literally, you can start a podcast with two hundred and fifty dollars if you buy the right microphone set and all that kind of stuff. Um, I just don't want people overthinking equipment because you can spend thousands of dollars on microphones, um, but if your content isn't any great, then you know, then you're not even going to be using these microphones to the best of its ability. Um, so yeah, I suppose I, that, I it's, it's that a, old adage, right? It's it's not the tools, you know, it's how you use it. And um, mm. I think the same could be said for this. And you know, in marketing, definitely the same thing. Like uh, some people get caught up in the the martech. Oh, I use this CRM or that CRM, and really, you know, people who know what they're doing don't care too much uh, about what, mm. what's used. It's more about does it work for what I want to do, um, and looking at the outcome, sort of the output yeah. so i suppose you know okay we've recorded a podcast we've interviewed someone found a guest list we've got an equipment set up um next step is uh, okay what do we do next we've recorded the um the podcast maybe we're using zoom or something like that obviously we're using that right now um mm. everyone knows what it is now <laughs> a couple of weeks yeah, ago maybe less yeah. people knew um <laughs> so you know that's an easy thing to use is there other ways and other software once we're recording and want to produce the the podcast itself that um um, that you'd recommend? Yeah, it's actually very interesting. Um, I got off a call last night where somebody was saying that because Zoom is being used so much at the moment, the audio quality of file that you get from Zoom actually may not be the best because there's so many people using the servers, right? But Zoom is a great one because everybody knows it. It's it's really sort of user-friendly. And, and I've got around the audio problems by just doing some post-production work. Um, so Zoom is, is the platform that I'd recommend, especially if you just want to get started, you don't want to upgrade into other platforms. And I haven't used anything different. I've, I've interviewed people internationally, I've interviewed people interstate, and I've always used Zoom for it. Um, in terms of other software, um, when I first started to edit my videos, I was using Camtasia. Um, I've now upgraded to the Adobe Premiere Pro in the Adobe Suite. Um, and because that's a video there's just, there's just suite, isn't it, or Adobe Premiere? Yeah, it's 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 video, but it also has a audio compressor in it. Um, so there's actually a lot you can do to adapt the audio within 
Premier Pro. Um, so if you don't Audacity, have, if you don't, if you can't fork out that much money, you know, say it's fifty bucks yeah. a month or whatever it is, um, what's a sort of cheaper option? Look, Audacity is a free thing. Um, Pro Tools First is another free. Um, they've got a, a freemium model um, that you can use to edit audio. Um, but I think, I mean, where I started was Camtasia, and I think that was just an outright cost of three hundred dollars. Um, again, they have a very basic audio compressor in there. You can level out the, you can level out the audio. You can adjust it. You can fade things in. You can fade things out. So, um, I've I've used Camtasia for a lot of my editing as well. Oh, great. Okay. Um, and like, do you, yeah. do you put a soundtrack with it or do you, what are we talking about? Like stock footage or sorry, stock audio that you'd put in there and get a little sound bite or I've seen people like on Instagram, like, um, uh, not a huge fan, but, um, like Gary V and people like Kerwin Ray and some of those, you know, guys that are doing lots of production They have this like little yep. logo that will pop up and a little of a sound bite that you hear like a click or a boom. I've done that twice. Yeah. And yeah. I so actually, look, I don't know if I'll get in trouble for this. Um, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but what I did on two of my videos was Gary has this like fop sound. It's like a, he, he says like a little bit of a sound bite of, you know, maybe two minutes into the talk. It's like, you know, this is why you need to use social media or else you're dead. And then it will do that fop sound, right? And then it will go into the, I've done that twice. And how I did it was I actually screen recorded one of his videos and I just um, separated the audio of that fop sound and, and I did the same thing. Um, I just, I just basically stole, stole that formula. I don't know if the, the, the microsecond of sound is copyrightable, but, um, yeah, I, I did that. I copied that formula because you look at what, what the successful people are doing and you emulate it. Um, it took a little bit longer to edit it because then I figured out I needed to get a screenshot because the shot needed to go still as well. Um, there's just a little bit more post-production in it. Um, maybe I can maybe, link to the video that I did. What it. about intro music or something like that? And outro yeah. music? I've seen it very, so that's a little bit more. That. Yeah, that's a little bit more simple. Um, I used, um, epidemic sounds or something, but the mistake I made there was I then had to buy the license to the music that I was using. Um, and that license was about $300 or something, even though their advertising was free music. Um, they still made me pay for the license. Fair enough. Look, you got to pay creatives for their work. Um, and now I use a system called Artlist. Um, they've got a, a whole range of um, songs that I can use and it helps me out not only for, um, you know, my work, I'm still going to use the original soundtrack that I bought because I paid for it. So I've, I'm using the same music, but I'll have that music playing um, underneath the outro so I found that if you do like introduce the show, so, so I go, all right, hello and welcome to the Being Talking with Peak Performers podcast. On this podcast, we talk to peak performers in their field so you can go perform at your best. This episode, we got James on the, uh, we got John on the show. Sorry, John. Uh, we got John on the show. He's a, he's a um, marketing expert and really fascinating guy. Like I'll do a quick intro, but underneath that intro will be music playing because it's, if it's just your voice, I find that the feeling is a little bit different. Like, you know, you want a little bit of music there to get people excited in the show. Um, so yeah, finding some, some, some music to go under the intro and under the outro. Um, I also use it in snippet pieces at the end as well. Um, so yeah, music is, is something that can really add another dynamic to your show. 
I like it. Okay, good. Um, and look, maybe we'll put some links to the, the bottom of this, uh, this podcast with uh, some stock sort of sites you can go to and buy like little tracks and have a, have a play around. I know I was yeah. using Canva just yesterday, to, uh, not Canva, uh, ClipChamp, uh, this Brisbane sort of, you know, web browser based video editing um, uh, software and they have a lot of stock audio and stock footage that I can use as yeah, tracks. Okay. And, and obviously they've paid for the licenses with, you know, the subscription that I've paid, but um, I'm sure, mm. you know, I could use those and there's other sites around there. So I'll put that. Yeah. There's end. a lot of sites. Yeah. And there's a lot of sites that'll give you like a subscription based thing. And I think music is even, even if you watch the people that are producing a large volume of content, they'll like, if you listen to it, they'll have music underneath it playing. And I think there's some psychological thing that we just like hearing music and it just adds a little bit more than just voice. Um, I don't recommend putting music under your entire podcast. That would be that wouldn't be a good idea. But when you're doing the snippet based content, um, having some music is is not a bad idea. I don't do it with all of my bits of content, but maybe I'll start doing it. Um, yeah, it's just something I'd, I'd like to test. And now that I've got a subscription, like it sounds like you do. Like you've got access to all of that music. So. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So we've uh, got a topic, we've got guests, we've, we've recorded it, we've got software, we've produced it, um, it's ready to go, ready to ship. Um, you know, now how do we distribute it? How do we get it out there? And this is maybe a two-pronged thing. Is it is it distribution or is it promotion or a combination of both? Like um, I actually don't know this area whatsoever, so I'm actually genuinely asking this <laughs> question to you. Um, like I've heard <laughs> of these things like, you know, some people use Spotify, some people use iTunes, SoundCloud, like um, how does that get on there in the first place? Is it you just go to those sites and upload it or is there a third-party system? Like give, give us a quick sort of overview without getting too technical. And yeah, 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 good. No, I, uh, yeah, I don't want to confuse everybody with the, with the details but um, first of all, it's a combination of distribution and promotion. You can distribute it on iTunes and Spotify but if you don't promote the fact that you've got a podcast and don't tell anyone about it, no one's going to listen to it. I've actually tested this, right? I've put podcasts out where I haven't actually promoted and it gets some listens, but, you know, you, so it's a combination of promotion and, and distribution. Um, how you actually distribute the podcast now, I use, I'll go in, into a bit of the secret sauce here, but you can find it with a Google search. Um, Anchor is, is what I use because you need to get an RSS feed. Um, RSS feed is just a bit of code which Spotify, iTunes, all these platforms read. I remember, um, sorry, for, just interrupt there. I remember RSS feeds yep. back in the day when we we're like, there's news, you know, like curated news mm-hmm, feeds mm-hmm. you could do for like topic areas and stuff. Um, is that yep. the same thing you're talking about? Or? Yeah, I think it's similar. It's similar to that. Um, again, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but um, all I know is, is it's an RSS feed that you put into um, a third party provider um, like Anchor, which then Anchor distributes the podcast to Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Podcaster, Castbox. There's about ten other platforms that I've got my Google Podcasts. So um, the good thing about Anchor is it's actually owned by Spotify as well. Um, so the the episode gets uploaded on Spotify very quickly, um, and you get a lot of data and stats and statistics to you. You know, I I know that. 82% of my audience is males between the ages of 28 and 35. Um, I know that because of the data that Anchor gives me. Um, best thing about Anchor is it's free as well. Um, now, the consideration that you've got to make is if a product is free, you'll eventually be the product, um, i.e. Facebook, you know. Um, sure. So 
There are other services like Libsyn. I used Libsyn for a very long time to create my RSS feed. Um, but again, it just came down to a matter of financial capability for me. You know, Anchor was a free service. Libsyn was paid. So speaking about that, like um, where do most of people listen to podcasts? Is it on iTunes because they have, you know, an Apple account or is it on Spotify? What, yep. What's your sort of, what do you think? The like if we have to narrow are, it down. Yeah. The two big ones are iTunes and Spotify. Um, 51% of my audience is on iTunes. 28% about around about is on Spotify. Wow. And then the rest of the percentages is made up over Google and whatever. So iTunes is the real beast. What about um, YouTube though? Yeah, YouTube. Um, so a real pain point for me is I've only uploaded about 16 of my 42 episodes on YouTube. Um, so I don't personally have enough data to, to give you a good answer on that one. Um, but YouTube is definitely a big space for it. You know, that's where Joe Rogan took off. I, I, I strongly believe that's where he took off. There's a big trend in people putting YouTube videos on in the background and then just doing their work, right? So the reason why I say it's a pain point for me that I've only put 16 episodes up there is because YouTube is an incredibly powerful platform to put your podcast on as well. Um, and if you're going to start a podcast tomorrow, and John, I know you're recording these episodes to, to have a launch strategy. As soon as you upload them on um, on your iTunes account, on your Spotify account, same day, put them on YouTube as well. Because if it's one thing that I've learned and a pain point for me is I didn't do that and now I'm chasing my tail um, to go back into my files and then find it and it just adds extra work that you don't need. So, yeah, um, it's incredibly powerful to put it on YouTube. Um, hey, so because not you only... You mentioned before like promotion though, like, you know, uploading, like you said, yeah. uploading it is one part, but like, how do you promote it? And, and like, if you don't have cash, if you do have cash, if you got like, do you have an email list or how does all that work? <laughs> if you have an email list, um, definitely create an email that you've got a podcast out and every single week do do your email. Um, one of the podcasts that I produce, Home Loan Hacks, they had a really good email database so when they launched they were able to go hey here's our podcast and that gave them some listeners to start off with i didn't start with an email list um i don't know why marketing mistake i didn't i just didn't have one um so in terms of promotion what i did was created created the assets so i created a facebook page i created an instagram page created you know youtube which wasn't used but i created it um <laughs> and then what i do is i take probably a snippet from the episode that, that really hit home, that was really valuable, that people could actually um, do. And then I did some post-production. I did editing. So, yes, this makes the job a little bit harder to do your podcast, but that's actually how you promote it is you'll get something really good from the show that's three minutes long, share it on your LinkedIn, share it on your Instagram, share it on your Facebook, and consistently um, people will listen to those snippets and then go, Oh, that was really good. I'm going to go listen to the entire interview. Um, and okay, then, of so, course, so you know, snippets, yeah. you mean like a little segment of the entire podcast? You'll take a little, like yeah. a gold nugget kind of part out and create this little short video or sound bite, yeah. right? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Oh, great. 100%. Okay, so, so email list, you obviously got one now, I'm guessing, and you've got a bit of a social media following here and there. LinkedIn, I see you. LinkedIn and Facebook, you're pretty active on it. And I suppose, yeah. do you um, cross-promote with maybe the interviewee has their own list and then that's something they can project mm. out to their own followers and then vicariously will pick up a couple more or where are you getting all your yeah. followers from? Um, it is mainly LinkedIn, Facebook, um, 
I, I haven't ran any ads. Well, I ran one, one or two ads to the content um, to build audience that way. But yeah, and use, use your guest audience too. Like as soon as you publish the episode, send them a message and go, hey, our episode is out. Here's the iTunes link. Here's the Spotify link. Um, and here's a clip from the episode. If you share that as well, that would be really great. And just ask them to share it. Um, nice. So yeah, you leveraging your guest's audience as well um, is, a, is a fantastic way to grow too. Okay. Awesome. Um, look, you know, that's, that's all the sort of things I had to ask you uh, about podcasting yeah. specifically, but I mean, maybe just uh, give us some intro into, you know, your background, where you're going to head in the future, you know, obviously you're doing this, this podcasting as a, as a bit of a sort of B2B um, service offering right now. Um, what was your background before that and where are you heading in the future? Yeah, thanks. Um, good question to ask. So I've um, completed a marketing degree from Monash University. Um, via completing that degree, I was also working as a business development manager. So I had a lot of experience in sales and loved that consumer behavior side of things of how to get people's attention on on a 30 second cold call. Um, I That's a good skill, I by the so, way. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's good fun. Um, I, my background is very strongly in marketing and I see that a podcast is a, a part of an overall content strategy. Um, so what I'm building out at the moment is um, been talking as a media agency, but, you know, podcast production and, and content creation where, you know, one podcast can get you anywhere between, depending on your, your content release strategy, one to three months worth of video content in about... 45 minutes of your time. Sorry, sorry. Um, one to three months. Uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So we were talking about those snippets before, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes, you can get one to advertise the podcast, but there'll be things that are said, there's things said during this interview even that I could take and then I could redistribute across social media channels in email marketing campaigns. Like say... Like a blog post a cash, as well. Yeah. Or? So say I had a cashback guarantee, right? And well, blog, well, blog post is another thing as well. And I'll, get, I'll get to that. But if I had a cashback guarantee and I go onto a podcast and they ask me a question like, how do I guarantee customer satisfaction? And then I talk about all about my fantastic guarantee and how I make it a win-win situation. If I'm having a sales conversation with somebody and they're a little bit on the fence and we've had that meeting, um, and, and I can sort of sense that it went well, but like, you know, certainty wanes and probably in a week, they're probably going to be like, oh, I thought about it and it wasn't for me. If I could create a cashback guarantee video from a podcast and I could go, hey, you know, I noticed that we had a good meeting, uh, but I just want to tell you how I can make this a win-win situation if we do business together. Here's a video that I did on my cashback guarantee. Have a watch of it. And that's a bit of content that you can grab from a podcast and then distribute it in an email format that then would get that person to go, okay. So, so cool. let's get this straight. Let's You're using this. this in a sales context. Like, and what do you mean by cashback yeah. guarantee? I think that was just an example that I was using. If somebody had a cashback guarantee, okay. they, could, they, they could talk about it on a podcast. Okay. Um, it could be, it could be a, a different example as well. So say you were talking about um, you had to go into depth. You've got a really scientific um, platform or process yet to go into depth. Why not get your best salesperson to go onto a podcast and talk about the benefits, features and products about your product. Oh. Now you've got your salesperson in a digital format 
that you can use in so many other areas as well. Wow. Okay. You know? So, so let me get this straight. Like, uh, if you did this the interview with a sales guy, you could then take little snippets of like customer objections in the sales process or yeah. questions they answer and then put that into YouTube or put it in your sales automation sequence and all that kind of thing. And, and I wouldn't do it in a tokenistic way, like, you know, creating a fake sales scenario, but you know, you've all been in sales meetings and, and the, the top producing salesperson will explain an objection or something or get over something that just, just goes, yeah, why isn't more people buying our product? If you can record that um, in a podcast format, do it naturally. Like don't, as I say, there's a fine balance between doing it to- tokenistically and, and doing it like in a good way. But imagine if you can digitalize your best salesperson so that that can go out in email campaigns, so that that can go out on social media. Um, this is all stuff that I'm seeing, you know, people I'm working with do, um, and gives a podcast such a bigger variety of avenues to go in. I like it. Okay. No, that's really yes. good. I mean, I hadn't thought about that before. And I suppose, you know, if we're recording this podcast, like we are now on video, you know, you've got video content as well as audio content and that's so versatile, yep. isn't it? Like if you don't have the content to start with, you can't produce these things easily. You got, you got to get an agency to do a script and a screenplay and interview people and some B-roll footage. And if you already have the interview mm. section, you kind of got a leg up, don't you? And when it comes yeah, time definitely. to produce the video that for whatever purpose that you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, that's really and great. That, yeah, and that's that's sort of what I'm building here. We've we've been talking is it's like okay, even if you're not a solid podcaster, just thinking about the ability for that content to be used in so many other ways. Like you said, blogs before you can take a transcript of this blog and say these are the steps to starting a podcast, or you know I could take a transcript from a blog I did from a financial professional talking about COVID nineteen. It's like financial professional talks about saving your money through COVID, right? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So blog formats is something you can do. Taking snippets of, like I haven't done this yet, but this is something I want to do. Taking a quote that was said in the episode and putting it in an Instagram thing. I know you're not you're not a big quote person, but um, and you put one out a few weeks ago. You're like, <laughs> no, no, I do like trend. good quotes. Just I, I just yeah. find like, you know, you the motivational poster types, the same quote you see, like the Steve Jobsy ones, you're like, oh, I've seen that like a hundred million times. I like the <laughs> I like the ones that are maybe a bit less known, you know. That really sum up yeah, the yeah, situation. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, go and, on. And what's what's better not known than something that someone just said in a podcast that if it makes the interviewer go, wow remember what you said, you know, um, and that can be used in such a great way. Sure. So maybe I'll have some, uh, some good quotes for, for you after this podcast. So I suppose, you, yeah. so, so that, that is your, your company. That's what you're doing. Um, you know, I'll put the yep. links in the, in the description below and, um, everything about, uh, the PDF that you mentioned about, you know, starting your own podcast. So I think a lot of people would be you know interested in that. Um, mm. and then they can get in contact with you obviously. Um, but you know, if you, um, that is your way of designing a course, I suppose, that teaches people about podcasting, dip the toe in the water, and then once they realize how hard it is, you know, they'll hire someone to, to help them out, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a wealth because there's a wealth of content you can do, and um, you know, doing it all yourself is is noble and and yeah, great stuff. Um, but yeah, sometimes if you can give the content to to a producer like myself that can really get the get the gold from an episode, that's something that I. 
I've found really valuable for people producing their show on an ongoing basis. Yeah. Okay. So um, we're nearly at the end, but um, one little question I had was uh, what's something very few people know about you? Um, you know, we've talked at length about, you know, where you've come from and some of the issues you've, you've encountered, but um, is there something quirky about you that, uh, that would be very interesting? Um, good question. I like it. I'm, I might go a little bit deeper meaningful cause, cause I'm, uh, people do know this about me, but, but you wouldn't know it in the 40 minutes that we've spoken about. So, um, I've gone through a lot with manic depression and bipolar. Um, I, uh, really kind of have learned a lot through that process of managing mental health and especially at a time through COVID where we're social isolation and everything, it's, it's more important than ever to look after your mental health. And, um, I guess the way that I, uh, frame up what I've got is is so depression gives me a level of insight, knowledge, and um, lessons into myself that a lot of people can't tap into. And the mania side of things gives me a level of motivation, passion, energy, and creativity um, that that some people can't tap into either. Um, just because that's the brain chemistry. Like this podcast was based, you know, I started it um, off the back end of a depressive episode, and then um, you know I was coming up really quite positive so the creativity and everything came back so you know I was using that as a positive and, and I know you, you, you may be probably asking that question there for a quirky-ish answer but I guess I, I wanted to give a more background into the mental health side of things and obviously people out there that are going through isolation at the moment and understanding that you know there's there's help out there and that's something that's really helped me as well is is sticking up my hand and going hey I need some help so no, yeah, I mean, look a lot of people don't you know, yeah. we've known each other for a few years and, and I think I, I, you asked me you were going to do this question. I was like, yeah, I'm happy to open up about mental health a little bit because, yeah, people, people just don't know it. So, um, no, that's great. I yeah, mean, it's, it's I mean you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business people and um, I don't think, you know, entrepreneurship and business ownership is uh, glorified, you know, um, in, in the media and general discussion. But uh, if you've ever met anyone that runs a business, like it is, uh, it is intense. You know, you'll get these severe highs and severe lows and, you know, not that I'm diagnosed with bipolar, but like sometimes like, you know, that would be accentuated in, the, in those circumstances. Um, it'll, it'll crack even the most... Um, resolute person you know and um i i think it's something that a lot of business people talk about is like a physical health um and that playing into mental health and having that perseverance and determination uh which is really required because you'll be tested um you know you have a client doesn't pay you'll have you know an employee that steals from you or something like that and uh have lawyers trying to sue you like there's a lot that can uh the trigger um people so no i think it's um there's not many people i haven't met uh in business who don't actively, um, you know, improve their mental health and um, take measures around that. So I think it's a really good thing to talk about and, um, you know, remove some of that stigma. Uh, and I think, you know, it's getting better. Um, mm, definitely. So that's definitely. great. No, and, and, and thank you for giving me the platform to, yeah, talk about it because, um, yeah, I guess that's the, the other thing, yeah, people don't know about me. Um, the fun side of things people don't know about me a lot is I've got a twin brother, um, he's got a lot more hair than me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he got the hair gene. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Bastard. Yeah, we see photos of him on social media. Yeah, so so that, I guess on a on a happier note, that's that's the other. <laughs> that's great. So if people want to get in contact with you, uh, what's the best way? Uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you said you're active on um, email. Obviously, we'll put some some links at the bottom of this episode. But uh, what do you? What's the best way if we want to just ask, ask a quick question uh, to you? Yeah. Yeah, LinkedIn is is probably the best format. Um, so Tim Beanland, B E A N L A N D, um, fantastic spot. I'll I'll pretty answer answer to a question pretty quickly there. Um, my email is tim at beantalking um, and I've also got a free Facebook group um, that I've started over the last month called How to Start a Podcast. Um, got about 150 members in there now. Um, you know, so yeah, go and go and join that. I'm sharing a, a bunch of tips and tricks and things in there about podcasting and things I'm learning on a daily basis. So those are probably the three best areas to go to. Great. Okay. And um, well, on that note, who do you think I should interview next? Um, you know, Good. have you got any recommendations? You kind of know what I do already. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's a few people. Um, a, a guy in Perth called Paul Paul Ramondo. I did a really good. Um, Really good podcast of him in terms of Facebook ads. Um, really smart guy. I think you two as, as both marketers will get along. Um, and he's just a great guy to interview. Um, he's, he's probably one that would fit your format. Um, who, else is, who else is good? Yeah, he'd be, the, he'd be the one, the top of mind one that I think you... I, I I could I could I could see if I could email Jim Penman, see if see if I can get him for you. He Maybe he's not very busy right now. Like uh, everyone's yeah, mowing possibly. their own lawns, right? So yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that the 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 Jim's mowing aspect of the business is still going really well. So um, yeah, maybe 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 we can have a chat about getting him on for you. Oh, that's great. Um, well, look, um, you know, Tim, thanks again for, um, I think it's almost time. So yeah, thanks again for, you know, getting cool. in touch and, and um, I know you've interviewed me, so it's the least I could do an interview back. And I think, um, you know, in this era of people starting their own podcasts, there was some real good nuggets in there for, you know, how to, how to think about getting your toes in the water and, uh, and some choices to make. And obviously, you know, we'll direct people to your Facebook page and, and that PDF you mentioned um, that will maybe fill in some of the tactical um, execution things that they need to be yeah. aware of so um thanks again and um uh, i'm sure we'll speak again soon we will do thanks man right. what a compact but also rich episode there was a lot of practical advice when it comes to the world of podcasting in that interview now this is the first of 48 in-depth guides into each of the growth marketing channels that can be used to grow a business I hope this episode has unpacked some of the mystery that surrounds podcasting and how you can successfully start your own. Tim is someone who reached out to me a few years ago and I really wanted to do what I could to help him at the time. He's also someone who helped me start my own podcast, the one that you're listening to right now. And I've always found him both knowledgeable and professional at all times. So if you are thinking about starting your own podcast, visit the James Hammond website where you can find a blog post on this episode. And on that blog post, we'll have all the references to everything he mentions in this interview, including links uh, regarding the PDF guide that he mentions and his Facebook group. Alternatively, if you are a Hybrancy member, all of this information will appear under the podcast submenu in the channel section, together with additional content that covers the strategic planning of podcasting, tactical execution, and measurement. To everyone listening, thanks for tuning in and take care. 
Just a few things before you take off. Remember to sign up to the e-newsletter so you are alerted before anyone else when the next episode drops. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And don't be afraid to say hello or give me some constructive feedback. Also, visit the blog page of this podcast to view all the links and other material referenced in this episode. Thanks again for listening.